Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to this very special spoiler podcast dedicated to Marvel and Netflix's Daredevil, their 13 episode series about the origins of the blind superhero Matt Murdock. Joining me to discuss the ups and downs and ins and outs of the show are Helen O'Hara. Hello. Phil Dissemlian. Hello. Ali Plum. Hello. And Matt Murdock. No, he's not here. He's a fictional character. However, we do have Charlie Cox, the British actor who plays Matt Murdock in the show. He came into London uh, last week to talk about stuff. He lives here, but he just dropped in anyway. And we asked him about spoilerific stuff. So here, uh, first of all, before we begin, is Charlie Cox talking about some of the really spoilerific stuff that happens towards the end of the Daredevil series. Again, I will say, as we always do with all the spoiler specials, if you haven't seen Daredevil, if you haven't seen all 13 episodes, don't listen to this podcast until you have. Don't listen to the interview until you have. Go away, watch them, and then come back. Okay? Done? Sorted? Here's Charlie Cox. Enjoy. Let's talk about that corridor fight scene. Yeah. Which is like old boy meets raid meets all your wildest cinematic yeah. fantasies. Yeah. What was that fun? How, how long did that take to shoot? That was, a, that was a really, really cool moment. But I remember reading it in the script and thinking, like, having to reread it and think, how, okay, the door open, you know, because they've described it all and you can't try and imagine it. It's, it says very specifically in bold, you know, this, ha- this following sequence happens in one take. Um, so we spent the first part of the morning, it was it's the end of episode two, so we've had, we've, you know, as a crew and a cast, we're getting to know each other, but it's still been, you know, very, it's frantic and early days, and we don't, we're not, we haven't bonded per se yet. And uh, we, and we spent the whole first half of the day, the morning, just, just rehearsing the camera moves, just making yeah. sure they were right. And then we got into the, got into it, and, you know, the, the first two or three takes, we didn't get past the first minute. And then we started getting deeper and deeper into it, and then we got early on, about take five or six, we got a usable take. We got all the way through, and it was quite good. It wasn't <laughs> perfect. And the question was, do we, do we continue and try and get another one? And we did, and we didn't get another one until, I think, twi- I think we finally got it again in take 11 or 12. Sorry, take 12, it was 12 takes. And it was such, and it was now midnight. You know, we've been there for 15, 16 hours. Chris Brewster was who did the majority of that stunt work was absolutely knackered. He'd taken a hit to the head at one point as well, so he was operating on some other level. And we all gathered around to watch it. Was it as good as we remembered? And it was this huge cheer and bonding moment. And it's, you know, it's, as you say, it's an homage to, to, to great films, great fight sequences like The Old Boy in the Raid and, and, and stuff like that. So. It, it, it's a real statement of confidence in the show, I think. It's the moment when, as a viewer, you're like, they really believe in what they're doing yeah. and you can go with that yeah. because the camera stays fixed on empty space which is a bit of a breaks a bit of a rule doesn't it yeah. the characters go off frame yeah. into rooms have fights that you're not privy to yeah. and I just wonder what's going on in those rooms yeah. when, when people are thrown in are you just standing there going okay what a wait well so I'm so I go into a room initially yeah. right? so I walk down the corridor and before the fight actually kicks off I go into a room the camera pans I have three or four fight m- moves to get through the door slams shut mm. then I we all had to clear because the door blows itself off the wall. Oh. Someone comes through in it. So, and I had to run, I had to get off the set. It's like doing a play. You yeah. had to run off the set. So I'd run around to another entrance because the next time I come in is from the other door. And so, so when I go into that room, the door shuts and then Chris Brewster comes out and does the majority of it. And then I come out and I do a little bit from another room and then run back around. It was a, it was a huge, you know, it was a huge operation. That's, I would love to have been on set with that one. Yeah, the cool. other big fight, obviously, is the fight with Kingpin. Yeah. Well, there's a big one in nine as well. Well, that's true. Yeah. That is true. I'm not denying that, but I just want to ask you whether it was you or Chris Brewster who gets lifted up into the air and then just dropped like a what bag of saying? bricks onto the floor. Wait, wait so remind which bit are you talking Final about? Final episode. You're in the alleyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he, like, the, the like, Superman. Kind exactly, of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we both did it. 
So I did, so we both did it. We both did it. They had to get the they had to get like a wire crane situation. I had to wear a, a harness for that bit. We both did it, and what they do is they drop you, and then and they you stop just bef- below the ground. Mission Impossible stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then they, exactly, and then you pick up the last moment. Wow. Um, but you know, and part of this show, people, one of the things people seem to be responding to is the fact that this superhero takes a real beating in many of the episodes. And what I've discovered from having to film those is it's 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 it really you take a beating when you when you lose fights on television and film because you spend so I mean, like my neck the amount of times I had to throw my neck back. Like you know, like because I've just been punched or throw myself on the ground because of mm. you know my knees and neck took a real. You know, like, I suppose it's the next day when you wake up. You're yeah, like, I'm still battered from the. Yeah, I have to do it the, again. I'm still battered from the fight in which I didn't actually connect with any punches. <laughs> you know, yeah. The fight with Nobu yeah. is is remarkable, and that's yeah. the closest I think that, that that Matt comes to the end. How close do you think he is? Um, you know, we we, I, th- I think we really wanted to really you know, look at the precipice of that possibility. I think, you know, it's one, of the, one of the problems I have with, with, um, with uh, the only, one of the few things I have with superhero films and television shows occasionally is that I find it difficult when there's an ambiguity about whether someone can die or not, or if I feel like they can't in any way. Um, it, the stakes are just naturally lowered and, and you don't, you're less invested. So we, I think they were really interested to feel like, to, to ram home this point of this, how fallible he is and, and, and how vulnerable he is. You know, he doesn't have unbreakable skin or super strength or anything like that. And uh, hopefully when you watch the show, you will feel like he really, you know, he really comes, you know, he really comes close to, uh, to, um, to perishing. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, when he... It, just going back for a second to that scene you talked about in two, one of the things I think that works so wonderfully in that is how there are moments where all even the bad guys and and Daredevil are having to catch their breath. They mm. can't carry on. It's like yeah. a boxing match, you know. And you don't often get to see that. And I think people really enjoy that because they relate. That's what it's like when you if you ever see an actual fight on on the news or on television or whatever. Or if you're involved in one, yeah, God forbid. You, you, that's what it's like, you know. Well, there's this word gritty, which seems to yeah. be becoming sort of. Uh, almost a cliche yeah. for for the superhero, the post Christopher Nolan superhero world, right? And the worlds are often gritty, but the fights n- aren't necessarily in yeah. the same way. Whereas yours are properly gritty, yeah. and, the, and the the fight with Nobu, it's, it reminded me of like some of those old shark books where you see the victims of shark attacks. He's like basically oh, yeah, yeah. disemboweling you. Yeah, is there was that was a, that was, a, that was a, you know that's the, the moment that you're talking about where he gets me with that. End yeah, with the, the... but you got better. Yes, he gets through it, but it takes an entire episode to get yeah. through it, you know. And not many, not many shows would allow that to happen. I think Netflix is rare that he can say, right, this episode next one is obviously recuperation. You yes. can't just get up and go, right, which yeah. bad guy shall I punch next? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and also, you know, being, being on the Netflix platform, Marvel are allowed to, you know, include blood, and boy, did they go... Did yes, they, they did. Did they uh, I was going to ask that? you, were you on set for the Vinnie Jones Lockstock-style car door head smash <laughs> I, I, I was turned up at the very end of it I went to go and see it and because at that point I hadn't worked with Vincent I'd met him but it was one of his first days on the, on, on, on the set so I went to go and meet him and, and kind of regretted it actually <laughs> <laughs> no, no it was a it was a, it was a um, it, it was a that was a pretty chilling moment actually but it's wonderful writing isn't it so, so, you know they've, you've, you've met him for an entire episode and all you've seen is him falling in love you know the bad guy, and then yeah, and that happens. You know, yeah, it's a yeah, it is a lovely sort of reversal of what you're expecting. Yeah. Um, Matt, as a lawyer, you see him in action, lawyering at yep. uh, various times, but you really only see him in court on the one occasion, yeah, in doing three. doing yeah, an episode yeah. three where he gives his kind of yeah. this is what I stand for yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, reminding me a lot of 
sort of the verdict or 12 angry men or those yes. kind of like you know especially the sort of Sidney Lumet type films yeah. did you did, did you how did you talk about that well i watched i rewatched um you know when i read that speech that he gives i rewatched uh jfk and also uh streets of philadelphia there are wonderful closing arguments in mm. both those films um and um uh, to kill a mockingbird and ones like that but i i was really excited about that and i i think if there's one request i would have for the second season is that we would see more of him as a lawyer yeah um one of my favorite series in the comics is when is when uh, in the bendis Malieve uh, series where um, matt murdoch defends the white tiger and it's such an interesting kind of dynamic because he's defending you know as Matt Murdock, and people don't know he's Daredevil, he's defending a superhero, and so he's talking about Matt, he's talking about the uh, um, the White Tiger, but he's also talking about himself, you know. And that's a very that's a that's a very cool uh, cinematic moment that I'd, I'd hope we get to incorporate in, in further seasons. But um, it's, it was very important to find that that side of Matt Murdock, and I think the reason it was so important is because I think you, we really have to believe that Matt Murdock 100% believes in the law, he believes in order, he believes in the justice system, and he thinks that is the, absolutely the right path. He believes passionately in it. So, therefore, when he does put on this mask mm. and go out at night and take the law into his own hands, we, we, we question that, and as we see that conflict, and we, 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 we have a hero that we're not convinced is on the right path all the time, you know, making the right decisions. How we, I mean, it's a difficult question to answer in some ways, but we're, I, I, we're expecting that Wilson Fisk cannot be held back by bars and the judicial system right. for very long because he seems to own everything. Yeah. And I'm wondering from Matt Murdock's point of view, um, how jaded is he going to become, do you think, seeing that there really, the society isn't really doing its job properly and can't really control these people? Well, let's or not talk about season be, two, yeah. but maybe from now, at the end of season, this season one, when, yeah. when he's seeing, he's presumably going to see the fallout of what's happened. Yeah. He's probably not got much faith in in in. The yeah, he takes it pretty badly, but I think he also. I think I, my feeling is that Matt Murdock is a is a is a is a is a he understands he understands how people operate. He just happens to believe in the in in he believes in the better side of 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 community and the better side of human beings. And I think he he has we, we this is discussed quite uh, quite a lot in the last few episodes of the first season. He believes in people's ability to rise above and make the better decision, but sometimes they need a helping hand. Um, but I think he, do, you know, I think he does. He takes it. He can also then go home and t- and take it all quite personally and find it quite painful, um, and and that's great because it, as a from from a character's point of view, it just makes him so much more layered and interesting. You know, Can if I that ask? answers the question. Yes, it no, it does. I want to ask a probably equally general question here, but obviously Netflix doesn't come out on DVD. Does no, not for a while yet. But what deleted scenes can you think of? Things that you shot that you're like, oh, that was really interesting, but didn't actually oh, make wow. it into oh. the show. Anything that you'd like to mention? Do you know what? At this point, I haven't even finished the entire season yet because I've You're been doing me. Yeah, so I'm, I've been going around doing. Well, doing it's really some, good. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm I enjoy it. it. <laughs> um, so I, I, so I, I don't know, but from the ones I've seen, I think I've seen up, I've, I've seen up to up to including six. Um, there is nothing that I can think of that ha- that hasn't made. I mean, there's lines here and there that have been taken out, and maybe there's a couple of. Uh, structurally they've changed the order of things but it's pretty much the writing was so strong I've been on a couple of television shows and, and one of the things that's quite common is they is is you get rewrites right up until the day before you shoot a scene yeah, there's pink rewrites pink, pink pages green pages yellow pages and we had so few of them they were so confident there was uh, you know the scripts were written and they came in and they were so strong that they would be, they'd be issued and a couple of weeks before the episode or a week before the episode, and then they'd stay that way, other than a few minor typos. So, I, based on that, I suspect that they were, they were, they were well thought out enough and well structured that, in the edit, they worked. You know, mm. 
you wouldn't mind mm. asking one last question. Have you met Stan Lee? How are you going to incorporate him into the universe? I saw that his picture is as an old policeman mm. that you see on the wall. Episode five. Please tell me that somehow he, he rocks up. Tell me there were discussions. I have not met Stanley. No! At this point, and I really hope to. I do have a uh, Marvel encyclopedia signed by him, oh. which, is, uh, which is on eBay at the moment. For, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, so I'm, I, you know, I, 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 I hope, I was hoping I'd get to meet him at the premiere, but he wasn't, because it was in Los Angeles, but he wasn't there. I, you know, I don't know. I guess now if he does show up in the show, it will have to be as a policeman. Has to. As an, as, but, who, you know. Who knows? It'll be great. It'll be great. I hope he does. I hope, I hope he's seen it and he loves it. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Charlie, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. A lot of fun. Thank that you. That was great. Thank you, guys. We're recording this on Thursday. You listened to this not on Thursday, obviously, but I, I finished the final two episodes last night and I kind of want... I left a couple of days just because I've been so busy recently and I left a couple of days between watching all the previous episodes, like fairly binge-watching up until... 12 and 13 then I took a couple of days off and then I watched 12 and 13 on their own last night and I kind of wonder if that was a mistake in that especially the last episode for me doesn't stick the landing and I don't want this to turn into a kind of oh it wasn't all it could be but the, the, the fact of the matter is for me up until about episode 10 or 11 this is a really really good show Mm. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I was watching it with my wife. She turned to me at one point and said, I think I'm enjoying this more than I have enjoyed anything that Marvel have done so far. Wow. I don't necessarily mm. agree with that. What did you, what did you if do? I, I don't agree with that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no. I you only watched Iron Man 2 over and over for the I, past two yeah, years. I quoted chapter in first. I went, how dare you? God, is a galaxy in my adventures and whatnot. Did you go um, full Mandarin on her? I did. <laughs> I went, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, yeah, I, but then I watched the last two episodes in isolation and they're not as good, I don't think. Uh, but I don't want to start with negatives. I want to start with positives and there's a lot to praise about this show. Mm. Why do people like it so much? I, I think of the group, I like it a lot. Yeah. I don't think it's great. But you tell me, what makes it so good? In, in your own words. <laughs> Who wants to start? It's probably known that I'm not as versed in the superhero world as you guys. I enjoy it very much. You openly sneer at it. You have nothing. <laughs> but, you, have nothing you have nothing but contempt for it. If it you know, but this had this has that's, unfair, that's unfair. unfair. I know. I'm only. I'm pigeonholing. I'm pigeon- as long as he can watch it in Swedish. A pigeonhole sat on a branch, it. reflecting on existence. Uh, Phil, I'm only kidding. Phil, come back to us. Phil, oh Wait, God. I'm back. I didn't enjoy that very much, but I'm back. Um, no, I do. Regardless of what you've just said, I do enjoy superior stuff, and I really enjoyed this. Um, I, the gritty regrounded Christopher Nolan post Christopher Nolan superhero world has become a bit of a trope mm-hmm. and especially in some of the um, DC iterations I would say the fun seems to have drained out of it mm-hmm. like water swelling down a Hell's Kitchen gutter <laughs> this has an element of that grit um, and we talked about it with we talked about it with Charlie Cox in the interview the, the, the action sequences have that fierceness that ferocity and yes. they feel much more real and they, you can feel the the stakes and these people are getting you know he's getting properly wounded and uh, taken close to the edge and I like that about it I also like that it sort of it kind of it looked it seemed to take the 70s cinema as its inspiration the mm-hmm. films that I really love by Sidney Lumet and William Friedkin French Connection I know was a touch point you know The Verdict on the one hand Dog Day Afternoon those sorts of movies they're fantastic films mm-hmm. a glorious time in cinema and it's great to see that kind of living again on the small screen in this um, I just I thought it was also just gripping really I really, just really enjoyed it and it's really well played I thought the acting was fantastic yeah. Yeah. Charlie Cox is really good um, Vincent D'Onofrio 
just fantastic. This is what Helen I'm, and I were. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to rave about him in a minute. You um, can go go right ahead, rave now. Um, honestly, I loved uh, D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk slash Kingpin to an extent that almost completely unbalanced the show. Like I think it's I don't remember which episode number it was about eleven ish where Daredevil is about to out him. Um, maybe a little bit earlier than that and I was genuinely mortified on his behalf that he would be suddenly dragged into the spotlight I'm like oh my goodness this poor guy all he's worked for will be be destroyed this poor guy he's the bad guy he's Mm. the bad guy and I know he's the bad guy but I was still just Mm. I, I had so much empathy for him and so much sympathy for him that it almost just unbalanced things. Not that I didn't love Charlie Cox's uh, Matt Murdock as well. I think he does a really good job. Um, but uh, D'Onofrio just gets so much hurt and so much pain mm. into even his most kind of most despicable moments that I, you know, that it, it almost kind of uh, makes you makes you root for the bad guy. You can genuinely there's there's mm. there's that that one episode where it flashes back to him as a twelve year old, and you can see the same scared little fat kid. In his in D'Onofrio's eyes, yeah. a few minutes later, that you oh, just saw yeah. on screen. I mean, that's absolutely incredible stuff. He's, he's absolutely fantastic, and that is absolutely a legacy of uh, the longer format. Yeah, simple as that. It allows you more time to give depth and shade to all the characters, yeah. pretty much. Uh, and he is the biggest uh, beneficiary of of that for me. He's astonishing in this role. Uh, he is Wilson Fisk, who, in, uh, to my ears, and I may be wrong on this, was n- is never referred to as a kingpin no, at no, any point in the show. No. Uh, Daredevil obviously gets called Daredevil right at the end. Yeah, he doesn't get called the kingpin. I thought there might be even a scene at the end where he goes, "I am no longer Wilson Fisk. I am the kingpin <laughs> of crime." But no, nothing like that. He's great. He's really good. He's been. He's such a good actor, D'Onofrio, and he has been brilliant for so many years and so many things. Uh, Law and Order, uh, Criminal Intent, uh, most notably, I think, and Full Metal Jacket. But he's so good in this and I'm really glad that he's he's sticking around he gives real three dimensions to a character that could have been absolutely just a, a caricature and uh, it, you're right it absolutely it, your loyalties are split slightly they are I and I think I think that that is one uh, I think my main caveat I guess in 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 my general praise and general love for the show I think the one thing that I think it fails to do is make it clear quite how bad the kingpin's plans are for Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Obviously, he does bad things in pursuit of those aims, but we don't know. The, I mean, the aims just seem to be what general gentrification, like moving <laughs> poor people out to move coffee rich shops. people in coffee shops. This is this is bad. I understand that, and you know, I'm a wishy-washy liberal, so I really do have a lot of sympathy with that being a bad aim. But at the same time, it's not specified really why he's any worse than any businessman because they're all trying to do that and they've done it to the rest of Manhattan already um, so I think that there's a little bit of a failing to make it clear how bad his actual aim is because let's face it his methods are not that different from Daredevil and that's something that the show does bring out quite well what is a liberal sorry <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump has never melloned a man's head with his car door though in fairness that we know of <laughs> that we know of I don't think he'd, he'd need to get someone to do it for him I don't think that's his thing toupee would come off I would say as well as the Sidney Lumet references I felt there was a bit of like Mark Stephen Johnson to this yeah I want to I want to uh, before we get into the show really defend the Mark Stephen Johnson movie uh, because it's getting a lot of flack. It a is. A lot of flack. And do you know what? I felt sorry for it, so I went back and watched it after watching the show. The yeah. extended edition. Uh, actually, no, I didn't have that to hand. 
director's cut's which much I know it's much better but the 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 theatrical really released edition I mean I remember really liking it at the time apart from anything else for Bullseye who I think is brilliant yeah um, but it really suffers by comparison like a lot and that's because the action scenes I mean obviously the effect of age that's nobody's fault mm. that just happens so the action scenes suffer because of that but you've also got really just tonally odd moments like the fight with Electra in the playground it starts off in a really cute way on a really cute small scale mm. um, by the end of that fight there is no way anyone watching would believe that man, man is blind like no way in heck or in hell's kitchen that anybody believes that man is blind by the end of that fight because he does clearly impossible things and he does them in open broad daylight for me it did, it did a lot of things right mm. and in a weird way I got things right that Daredevil didn't in the end I prefer the costume, weirdly enough, of the 2003 movie to the final hero, the final costume. hero costume of this one. Uh, I kind of preferred the black mask and the guy running around in a, in a polo neck. Yeah, he looked good there. I preferred that a little bit. Um, Bullseye is a great villain, but obviously it doesn't have the, the depth of, of the TV show. But it, it gets a, a bit of an unfair kick in and the director's cut is very good. But this, Which is not to say it's a masterpiece, it isn't. I'm just saying it's better than its reputation. Fair enough. Going back to Fisk, just briefly, yeah. what I really enjoy about the show is that every single kind of character dynamic between one character and another has something going on in it mm. really interesting things and the, the sands keep shifting again it's a it's a it's a so it's something that you know you you can only do on the long form perhaps but mm. for instance Leyland Owsley yeah uh, the Bob Gunton character yeah. his dynamic his relationship with Fisk is fascinating yeah. to me yeah. I'm like what is going on there because this is a man who he knows the guy's dangerous, physically dangerous and lethal and, and, and ruthless. And he shows him no respect in front of his, you know, his coterie of fellow villains. And yet, you know, what, obviously Fisk needs him. Mm-hmm. They need each other. It's kind of, it's parasitic, it's symbiotic. There's lots of stuff going on. And that's mm-hmm. just one of the two kind of characters, the relationship between Vanessa yeah. And Fisk is really interesting. We were talking about that on WhatsApp as well. Um, and, you know, even even the Foggy and Karen Page relationship shifts a lot in the period of time. And that's a subsidiary consideration at times, but mm. really interesting. So just really good writing. Yeah. And, and the pacing, I think, worked well, too. There's very physical, fighty episodes. And then... You know, as Charlie Cox said, he has to recuperate. He can't fight because he's not that kind of superhero. Yeah. Mm. So it slows down. So yeah. it, it worked for that. And even in the fight scenes, you see that. I mean, the uh, the one that everyone's been raving particularly about is the corridor fight. Uh, obviously, in episode two, I think episode, that was. It is episode um, two. And he's he's not moving from punch to punch in that. He's reeling from punch to punch. Like, you feel that this is a guy who's just taking a beating and he's still giving one out and he's still staying up. But there is, you know, it's it's it doesn't look super heroic. Heroic, it just looks heroic, and it's that's a. I mean, that's just a, a brilliant, brilliant piece of mm. of um, filmmaking, TV making that deserves all the all the the press it's getting. And I think that's one of those elements that makes this feel much uh, less shiny and polished, and and as you've said, grittier than the likes of Arrow and Flash and so on that are on other channels at this at, at the moment. This one feels a little bit less, um, yeah, less artificial in that way. I would say that sometimes I felt like they took three episodes to do what could be done in two. Mm. Uh, not that that's necessarily a good or bad thing, but I found at times it wasn't to my taste. I also felt at the beginning, again, we had lots of text conversations at the beginning about this, but I personally found that Eldon Henson's take on Foggy 
wasn't quite what necessarily I was expecting, but what I wanted. I liked what he was doing. His purpose was served. Mm. He's not just comic relief. He is. He's more than that. He's more than just a sidekick. I appreciate that. I just necessarily didn't necessarily buy him. I didn't really mm. feel like I was connecting with him. And yet, by the end, when you do get the kind of avocados at law, I I liked that. I was more into it then. He takes a little bit longer for me to get into. I also felt that at times you talk about the Dark Knight thing. It did feel like the voice in particular was very, where is he? And He does actually say, where is he? Yeah. At one point in a growly voice. So there were times when I felt a little, as you say, too much from the Dark Knight. But by and large, and emphasis on the large here, this really was enjoyable and was very good. But at the same time, I feel like it's one of those first series that will set up for a much more confident, strong, impactful, structured, maybe a bit zippier for me second season yeah I kind of felt that maybe the pacing was a little bit off sometimes there was one episode actually I think it's probably pretty much my favourite episode weirdly enough uh, which is um, Nelson v Murdoch which mm. is about the fallout after Foggy finds out that Matt is Daredevil which is something that didn't happen in the comics for years and years and years so it was really interesting they brought it forward in fact there was some major deviations from comic book lore mm. Ben yeah. Urich for example does not die in the comics and that, was a, that was a big one um but that was one of my favourite episodes. But there were two scenes that ran on from each other. One which was was Karen talking to... Uh, I think it was Karen talking to Matt, uh, uh, trying to convince him to do something to, inf- you know, to go on with the investigation of Fisk. And he was basically saying... It was either him or Foggy, <laughs> my apologies. Uh, but saying, deal with it, Karen. Let's move on. Real world. This is not going to happen. He's too big to take down. And then she goes and talks to Ben Urich and has exactly the same conversation mm. in... The very next scene, and you just want—if you trimmed ten minutes out of each episode mm. and maybe lost one or two episodes, but we'd have had a belting. Wasn't that making her desperate enough to do what she then does? Yeah, it's just but that's also bad screenwriting because she was saying exactly the same things, exactly the same things in the very next scene. That's not unfair, I would say, but I guess it's the symptom of the difference in binge watching. If you watch this in the old style, where you have an episode a week, it would you'd get a week of being pasted for that sort of thing, wouldn't you? You'd get a week where everyone had seen it and they were like, oh, that was a bad episode. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. Nothing really happened. So they true. were repeating dialogue. Now you watch it and you watch the next one within five minutes and it's in and the it's past. Gone. It's gone. So yeah. for me, watching it in probably like with Helen, watching it in the space of two or three days, yeah. you just don't really mind that stuff and because it, it's gone. It's and and in a way, film, it? It, it, because mm. you're watching it in such large chunks like films, yeah. you don't mind the fact that it slows for, for, for 60 minutes. Or, yeah. but whereas if you watch it in isolation, you'd be like, bloody hell, that was dull. And it rewards, it rewards, uh, binge watching rewards things and to, that attention to detail. For example, the, the priest mm. who shows up in episode two and doesn't appear again until episode eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. And but he when he reappears again he says, Oh, let's have that latte that he yeah. mentioned in a throwaway line yeah. in episode two. Now if you were watching this seven weeks apart, yeah. you'd be going, Who's this guy and what latte is he talking about? But when you're watching ten hours apart, you kinda of go, Oh right, I get Thanks that. That's, a latte. That's, yeah. yeah. In a <laughs> minute yeah, yeah. You'd have to go, Do you remember that conversation we had about the latte and you didn't want one? How about we have it now? <laughs> Previously on latte. <laughs> Yeah, but but there was stuff about this show I really really loved. I loved mm. the fact that it was shot in New York. That just felt so in, in, t- integral to me. It felt yeah. so important. It was it was you know it felt like a it felt like Law and Order superheroes yeah. to me in many ways. Yeah, there is that procedural aspect. I also love the fact that the way that they explained 
why Hell's Kitchen could possibly, you know, not already be gentrified, have a crime problem. Oh, it's because of Avengers, mm, yeah. um, which is which is great. It, it, the idea that that part of New York took the biggest hit, and that's why it's it's being redeveloped, and that's why there's all this kind of corruption and this money flowing in, um, because suddenly you've got you know what ten solid blocks of Manhattan that you get to uh, to rebuild. Yeah, well, I mean, we're coming on to the Easter egg stuff, which, mm. of which that's the, that was the first one, wasn't it? But yeah. I just want to say that talking about the location of shooting in New York, there is that part of New York that you think of New York as a, as a high-rise city, and it is, but when you often when you go and stay there in a hotel, you'll be on like the, the 10th floor, and it is the, the water coolers and the rooftops, yeah. and the, it has yeah. this other world that, you know, you're either on the ground or you're up in the sky, but actually a lot of it's sort of 10 stories up and throwing people off buildings and into skips and, you know, his running along the rooftops at night. I just thought that was kind of an interesting, an interesting setting for a lot of this stuff. Mm. Do you think he ever went to pick up his white stick that he threw in that bin when he runs along to the heroin? He goes plant? through a lot of white sticks in this. <laughs> like he <laughs> loses them Honestly, left, right, and centre. He's just like, who is he? If someone had moved that Made bin money. in between the time he fell in it and the time he pushed someone off, knowing it was below, mm. and like I thought, I'm going. Just going to move that five yards down the street. Yeah, but he's using his his senses. He knows the bin is his there. Flame vision. How does yeah. he know the? I didn't get that. How does he know the bin is there? Well, the way they explained it in this is that he kind of he can see he radiates outwards. His senses radiate radar. outwards, and so. But it's, that's just yeah, the way it's, it was it's presented. It's not just sound; it's also yeah. smell and. Yeah, and you know yeah. how radars for sound. Yes. He ha- he's incredibly smelly, and so that stink <laughs> radiates off things. Bins are very easy because they smell a lot themselves, so, so that's a real easy one. Yeah, it's 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 phonar. Phonar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the. I also like the fact that clearly Honey had enough money in the budget to do it once. <laughs> so they yeah. really showed it once with Rosario Dawson. <laughs> We're done now, guys. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the uh, MSJ version, it's, it's like all over every five minutes, here's the radar. And suppose they did it really well in that version. They did, so, yeah. so that's one of the things that I think they probably And it's a tricky chose thing to do. to do. It's like yeah. that they did it so well, it's like you don't want to just do that again. But yeah. uh, maybe he, in season two, they'll do more of that he, stuff. You don't see the flame when he's doing the super lawyering. He should be doing many, many more cases because how can he lose? Mm. He knows when they're lying. Mm. The mm. very second when they change their mind, he knows the pressure point. Mm. I want to see a season which is a spinner from this, yeah. which is just him, you know, divorce yeah. courts, um, you know, parking spaces, just making sure shit gets done. Can we come like a new Matt Better call Matt. Yes, you know. <laughs> Matlock, right? Yeah, better call Matlock. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But there, there's only one episode in which you actually see him in the courtroom, episode three, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and. I just wanted more of that well, stuff. Well, he talked about it in the interview, as yeah. we've heard, and he wants it too. So I yeah. did too. I thought those scenes were really good. That was Well, those scenes, that scene uh, yeah. was good. Very because much. Uh, all the way through, uh, uh, Foggy and Matt keep referring to the fact that they have no clients. And that's fine. But after a while, you're kind of going, yeah, you actually don't have any clients. How are you keeping Where the practice the life? Money? Then again, the, the big check from Wilson Fisk cleared. And I guess they kept him uh, yeah, in, in money for, for a little while. But yeah, mm. there's a lot about the show I really, really loved. I loved pretty much all the characters again because of the depth including people like Wesley Toby Leonard Moore in that role was mm. fantastic he was completely inscrutable to the point where in, in his final episode you weren't sure if he was the one who was selling out Fisk no, true. Yeah. so when he goes to meet Karen you're not entirely sure where, what yeah. the play is and I was genuinely shocked that he died at yeah. that point uh, A it didn't seem entirely in character that he would be so lax as to leave a gun within reaching distance of someone but you know, I, even when he she pumps six bullets into him, I thought that he's 
pretending. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, I did as well. It's too. Just, yeah. He's going to rip off his. It's, yeah, it's a bit Scooby Doo. And then you get that lovely moment with Fisk, um, you know, sort of sitting holding his hand. Yes. Um, mm. Which Kissing again, him, giving him a, a goodbye kiss. Yeah, which again is is just a, an extra little dimension to the man because you know he shouted at him sometimes. He you know he was pretty tough with him sometimes, but at the same time there, there wasn't just an, a reliance there. There was some kind of almost relationship, and I thought that was really yeah. really nice. And and you mentioned the Easter eggs. I mean, there are lots of little Easter eggs dating a Greek girl in college um, <laughs> I missed her chief among them yeah <laughs> really? took Spanish to impress a Greek girl so. oh, yeah. Electra's got to be in Presumably. season two hasn't she she's got to be which would be good because uh, one of the uh, other major problems a lot of um, the kind of websites I read have identified is the complete lack of women behind the camera behind the scenes uh, there was one screenwriter um, for one episode I think and and you know the, the ones in front of the camera you know are a secretary a nurse and an art gallery person which aren't the most and and a a lawyer and and, and, you know unspeakably evil crime lords who who, may be as guardian or something yeah she seems to indicate that you know yeah that does seem weird she speaks all languages and she can do she has some sort of power that she displays to Matt there's there are little moments little hints and I think this may tie into Iron Fist's show more than Say, aka Jessica Jones or mm. or uh, Luke Cage. His nemesis's symbol is on the heroin as well. Yeah, it is true. And um, but there's like that stick episode, the stick episode, yes. which ends with someone talking about the weapon. The yeah, the yeah, the stick the, talking to stone. Black sky weapon. Maybe black sky will be Iron Fist's nemesis. Yeah, and I think that might that sort of mysticism, mm. which is obviously coming a little more of the universe with Doctor Strange, may come into this show as well. I thought maybe Black Sky was the enemy of the Golden Child. There seemed to be a <laughs> thing going on there. No. Just me. Well, we, we made a desperate Dan crossover suggestion in the interview. Maybe yes. <laughs> well, he did say he wasn't. He wasn't. A, he didn't know the comic books because he used to read Dandy and the Beano. And then we got bogged down in him that he'd been quoted as saying, "What did he? What did he said? He said, he said British actor slams classic. British he slammed British comics. comics. But he wanted to put on the record he wasn't going to. He was unslamming them because he loved them. So we, yeah, we thought maybe maybe they could be a crossover possibility." Um, I'd love to see Sid Snake in the uh, in the MCU. Oh, James. Billy Wiz would work, wouldn't he? He'd be like Quicksilver. <laughs> he Didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> he really would. Speaking of stick, what do you think of the childhood? Because each each big character, Kingpin and Daredevil, yeah. get their flashback yeah. origin story. I really liked how they handled that. And Stick can be a little bit ridiculous, uh, but it was actually okay. Mm. But the poor guy is dealt with some really brutal father figures, <laughs> uh, and I'm including Kingpin because there is he seems to be a kid. Like Daredevil is a kid, and yet is a grown up at the same time. It's it's all like Fisk, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, you know, here's an interesting question. Uh, I really liked the first two episodes with his uh, with his dad, with Batlin Jack, and I quite liked the little flashbacks and whatnot, um, but. How derelict is he as a dad? <laughs> really, when you look at it, when you really boil it down to nitty-gritty, this is a man who chooses to die. Yes, it gives his son the means with which to pursue a career in law and whatnot, but he chooses well, he's... to go out in a blaze of glory, which is fairly selfish, first of all, and also then to die, so he will remove himself from his, what, nine-year-old son's life at that point? Who's just been blinded? That's, 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 well, no, that's, no, okay. Just just to play devil's advocate here. Daredevil's advocate. Helen. Daredevil's advocate here. Thank you. Um, <laughs> avocado, please. Daredevil, just to play daredevil's avocado here. Um, 
I guess what he's trying to do there is first of all set a good example that he's not going to that he's not going to back away from the fight that he's not going to throw the fight and be dishonest yeah, in Murdoch's that sense always get up they never yeah, stay down they always get up they never yeah. stay down and also he, he just refuses point blank to throw the fight he's going to take this one to the mattresses if you will second of all he obviously sets up that whole trust fund thing but yes. he does hope to get away with it like he's he rushes to his locker after the fight he's yeah. frantically but trying to I think to, he knows he's seen Pulp Fiction he knows, he knows, he knows the risk ends. he knows the risk he knows yeah. the risk he, yeah he's not surprised when they catch up with him for example but but also he he, he knows he's about to load a whole ton of Catholic guilt on his kids <laughs> that's going to play into into his life later on. And Helen, yeah. you know, as I, a Catholic, I, I, yes, I'm, well. I'm a Protestant. I don't sure. know an awful lot about Catholic guilt. Um, <laughs> I know a lot about it, uh, trying to stamp it out, obviously, but obviously. Not, not the other. Um, tell us about that 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 aspect of Max. <laughs> tell us about that aspect. We'll have of a Max. special podcast. Uh, yeah, for that one. yeah. The, th- the thing. I mean, listen. Here's the thing about Catholic guilt: is um, you have it. From you know, from basically birth, you're giving so it in a it bag. It doesn't really matter, and it doesn't matter if you stay Catholic. You can give up the faith; doesn't matter. Um, it, you have it anyway, so he's not really adding any extra onto that burden. It's <laughs> it's just there. That's just daredevil. It's going to happen. No big deal. Okay, but uh, the question Ali was about stick, wasn't it? And uh, I I really like Scott Glenn a stick. I thought he was fantastic. I enjoyed that fight scene in his flat, which is a great mm. flat. Oh God, it's so good. But that fight scene in the flat's great. And I actually, you know, my favourite shot of the bit is with the two, I'm going to say nunchucks, and I know that's not the right word, but the two t- sticks mm. when he's leaping through the air and is coming down on them. I love that. That's really good. And I wanted to see, by the end of it, 13 episodes in, you go, oh, yeah, he's wearing red. Yeah, he's meant to wear red. I remember. Yeah. And he's meant to have the sticks. Yeah, with the strings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, remember. But you're so involved with the show that by that point you go, oh, yeah, Daredevil, he looks like, you know, him off uh, Princess Bride. That's fine. That's how I remember him. They keep actually referring to him by the same name. It was very confusing for me. Dread Pirate the Roberts. The man with the well, mask. The, the, man, mask man, the, the, yeah. the man in black and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Like, yeah. They just, yeah. It's you, very, very confusing. On a slightly different note, do you think there's a way of doing it without so much flashback-ery? Flashback-ery? Mm. Mm, it, did, it did feel after a while like I'd seen quite a lot of the dad being battling. There's a lot, because there's three or four threads that flashback, yeah. which is quite a lot for me. I'm not a massive flashback fan, especially in the sort of establishing well, childhood, starts, establishing stuff. It doesn't do it badly at all, yeah. but you're just like, oh, crikey, we're doing that again, are we? It starts with a flashback. It starts with you know his accident. And like, I, I, thought, I thought it was okay, it's fine, but I, you know, I'd rather have seen him as an adult and then maybe incorporate that somewhere yeah. down the line. But the dad stuff's done very quickly is episode two and then he's gone yeah but um, then you go the flashback to stick sticks first arrival on the scene don't you yeah i wonder if you could introduce stick without necessarily having to show that early stuff maybe they only had scott glenn for one episode so maybe that's mm. that's mm. all in. maybe these Got things dictate potentially if you think this has a lot of flashbacks although green arrow spinner has got a lot of them has it i mean not saying flashbacks are bad across the board <laughs> but sorry but that was terrible terrible did i just miss a terrible pun yeah, yeah. oh the, no the arrow spin-off is called flash Oh, flashback. So, and he has a back. Yeah. He's got a back. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that happened. Easy humour. That was, that was the thing that happened. <laughs> One of the things that, that, that struck me about the show, and we talked about it a little bit, is uh, the violence in the mm. show. 
which is on a level that we have not seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that's for sure. But they, it's rated 15 on Netflix. They do pull their punches with the language. Uh, there's about six shits an episode. By that, I mean, people say the word shit six times. Not that he Matt goes and... shitless. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't go to the toilet six times an episode. That would be interesting. And um, boring. That would be really would boring. Be boring. <laughs> and uh, I think someone says asshole and there's bastards, but they don't, they don't say the F word. <gasps> they don't say the F word. Thank and goodness. you kind of feel that they could. You always feel what, that they're on what, the cusp of it. What, Fisk? <laughs> oh, yeah, anybody who says Fisk gets killed, so... That's true. I think yeah, I heard a mother fisk. Oh, oh, a dickhead in there? Is that possible? You probably heard a dickhead. Or a wanker? I thought I heard a wanker. A wanker. Now, wanker it, seems weird in I this world. I think Foggy dropped in a couple of I English expressions. It did no, seem was, weird. Yeah, I remember thinking, English, yeah. that wanker, seems yeah. weird, saying okay. wanker. He called someone a spiv and a, a knob jockey. <laughs> and a, a bounder and a, a cad. He You're he, a cad. He said that fisk was a twerp. A twerp. You're a gosh damn cad. You bounder. <laughs> Flip off, he said. But the violence, yes. The, fi- the violence, I mean, yes. I think, I think it, the, the one that actually, I mean, the corridor fight was violent, but it doesn't have this sort of blood and gore up close. The, the one that really made me kind of gasp and slightly jump back in horror was the head on a spike. Yep. Um, oh, oh, my God. God. There you go. I blanked that out. That was Game of Thrones. Basically, that really was. Here's what, my, my wife, she's a massive fan of the Marvel movies, but I... She, I kept saying, "Oh, you should watch the show Daredevil. You know, it's really, really good." She's going, "No, no, I don't want to. It doesn't feel like I want to watch it. it." You know, I'm like, "Okay." So I started watching it on my own, and she came in from work, and I was about ten minutes from the end of uh, episode three, and he was just about to fight that dude, and I went, "Come on, see, it's really good. Watch Daredevil with me," and she sits down with me, and it got. Oh, this is actually pretty. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not watching this kind of thing. But then my, my I made her go back and watch episode one, and she loves it now. But that is an extraordinary scene. Yes, yeah. he he headbutts a spike. Yes, he does. So there needs to be a name for that. It's like kebabbing or something. Oh god, let's not have a name for <laughs> I it. I mean, let's it's not ins- encourage it. But you know, something crazy is going to happen because that guy's nuts from the from the get go when yeah. he arrives, isn't he? But yeah. his his thought process isn't great, is it? No, it's a bit like. Give me the name. Tell me the name. Where no, is he? I won't. I won't tell you the name. All right, I'll tell you the name. But I now have to kill myself. Whereas I could have just not told you the name and not had to kill myself. Um, whoops. Yeah. And you just would have beaten me up or something. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. There's a not. There's not a huge amount of thought process there. And then obviously the car door scene. Um, it, there are moments in this that are yeah really quite shocking. Mm. Um, this is this is not the same world that we saw in, you know. Yeah. I don't know. The fight fluffier marvels. It certainly isn't. There's no, you know, it's like Coulson being spiked by Loki in certain countries now. The spike is removed, <laughs> and uh, for Blu-ray releases. So over here, for example, whenever Loki, you don't see the spike go through Coulson's chest anymore. That's always fun. How much blood is there in the Avengers? It's not a lot of blood. Lot, no, the blo- um, see the blood is the thing that they always take out, and that helps them get the lower rating. Yeah. Um, so there's things that would in real life obviously cause enormous amounts of blood to be spilled yeah. but in films generally speaking you can rely on there being very the, little the Winter Soldier for example if the Winter Soldier had blood in it it yeah. would be an 18 um, but it, it doesn't but this this uh, there's the fight between uh, Matt and uh, I'm not calling him Daredevil until the very end uh, there's a fight between Matt and uh, Nobu that is unbelievable he's being sliced and ripped and stabbed and skewered and kebabbed and yeah that's proper you get to the point where you're kind of going I don't think you'd be a live person anymore mm. it's it sore is. isn't it yeah it is ferocious it's alright guys he meditates and so he heals it's fine <laughs> that's all explained I can't believe you weren't paying attention I'm to still that. thinking about the Captain America Winter Soldier bit <laughs> well, if he had blood in that, yeah. the lift scene, 
if you put the camera down the corridor, opens the lift, he walks out a river of blood, <laughs> like, in, like in The Shining. That would be amazing. But seriously, so serious point. I'm not a bloodthirsty person, but at all. But it's good to see the consequences of violence. It's not yes. necessarily fun to watch, and you do see people cause and effect in a way mm. that sometimes with the big movies you don't. Yeah. it's all a bit like bang smash kapow, um, yeah. and this is not like that. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I really like that. And it actually brings into play one of the best things about the show for me, and a, an element that I'm really sad was not in it more. Rosario Dawson as Claire. I I loved her relationship with Matt. And it's not just because I fancy Rosario Dawson Helen. I wasn't going to say I saw you making a face. Uh, it's partially that, yes. But I thought she was really, really good. I thought their relationship was really nicely sketched mm. out in just a couple of episodes. And honestly, uh, they, there was one. She wasn't in a whole bunch of episodes, and then she, I think she's in episode eleven, and her name comes up at the credits. And my wife and I both went, "Yes, <laughs> she's back in it." And then, of course, she turns up for five minutes and leaves. Um, I feel like she might be the thread connecting these. These four shows. I was hoping that. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like she's. That would make sense if she's kind of everybody's go-to point for for medical help, um, and and it would be a nice kind of first of all a, a linking device, a linking person, but also she's such a good character. I'd like to see that developed in in another way. But it was also interesting because I thought at one point the show was going to fear away from the Matt Karen Page relationship mm. and have Matt and Claire be a thing, but it didn't seem to go in that way. And I thought it was actually setting up Foggy and Karen as a potential. Mm. Uh, par- pairing and then towards the end it kind of feared back and went no it's fairly clear that Karen fancies Matt all the way through yeah. um, well she's, so. I think she likes Foggy as well she likes Foggy yeah. um, but I think that what's clear is that in the just announced season 2 she'll mostly be dealing with her own demons and, yes. and not so much making eyes at any, either of her bosses yes that seems to be the case seems to be dun, the way it's dun, going dun. <laughs> yeah, it was reading up on a character by god she gets a bad go of it yep things that happen to her like she get told she has HIV and she doesn't I mean I mean that's bad and then dead parents all over the shop and all kinds of badness mm. and she dies in the comic books at some point so let's hope that doesn't happen yeah fingers crossed yeah I thought uh, she was great Deborah Ann Wall was fantastic in this um did you see, by the way, the stilt man costume in the back of the, um, what should we call it, the contraption-making room, the Melvin, whatever that name of the guy Melvin is? Melvin Potter. Melvin mm. Potter. In the back, you can see the stilt man outfit with the extendable legs just in the background. And you can see, because he becomes a gladiator, for those who don't know, that's a slightly ridiculous, slightly cool character that says essentially has Robot War-style arms, the blades that spin round the wrists, and Ooh. that goes up against his neck and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it, it, it would seem sketches of that. On yeah, his it would seem clear that Matt at some point does not keep Betsy safe, <laughs> and then Mr. Potter goes. Yeah, that, nuts. that was a, that was a slightly uh, glib promise. I thought on, yes. oh, on Matt's part a little bit. Betsy, yes, don't worry, she's absolutely. Oh, she's dead. <laughs> Yeah, so he he might be well advised to to keep an eye on Betsy, poor Betsy. He can't tell, and the whole premise of the show is that he can't see. <gasps> Have you missed that? Did oh you God, miss that? I'm so sorry. How did you miss that? That's uh, astonishing to me. Uh, there's there's tons of other things we will just talk about very very quickly. The show's depiction of journalism. <laughs> how, do, how do we feel about that? Idealized, perhaps. Get to the metro section where there'll be loads of wonderful rewards, including uh, great healthcare and uh, a seat that's warm. To be honest, actually, the show's depiction of journalism um, in more in some of its more cynical aspects is is very true. I think nowadays the, the pressure to yeah the, the the pressure to uh, to you know get hits or or sell advertising or whatever over pure investigative journalism as it used mm. to be investigatory journalism sorry Zoolander um, so uh, so yeah I think the you know there's there's some slightly depressing things to be said about the profession there but they're not 
entirely unfair or inaccurate. And Ben Urich, that that was a really good character, and I really liked that sort of that whole setup. I thought that was really interestingly played out. Um, I like that he was, you know, one minute trusted by his boss and the next minute under pressure to to drop it all and, and move on. Um, it sort of it, it gave a, a ring of I don't know. It gave a ring of realism, I guess, to the crusading journalist trope. I thought. Mm. And the wrinkle that the boss wasn't the one informing, it was the yeah. boss's secretary. Yeah. And also, can I just point out, when the guy does, Daredevil finally persuades a guy high up in the corrupted cop ranks to dob in Fisk and the rest of these cronies, it's that one witness that powers everything falling apart. So you can only presume in that montage, which has a very interesting track, I seem to remember, going behind it, I can't remember off the top of my head, Accept my apologies, that it just seems to just tumble down. Mm. And I feel like Fisk needed to put in more safeguards for this kind of shit happening. And obviously he did, because he had a setup where if he ever gets chucked in the back of a police van, that, mm. what, 18 SWAT guys would appear out of nowhere <laughs> and just rescue him. So, you know, he had the emergency call to pull. Yeah, he did. He's, he did some layers there of protection, I think it's oh, fair yeah. to say. Yeah, he really did. But he didn't He didn't legislate for one thing. Daredevil. <laughs> My, yeah, I was slightly disappointed in the way that I liked Ben Urich and I liked Fonte Curtis Hall in that role. But it does show that, hey, kid, don't cling to what happens in the comics. We're going into new uncharted territory here. And also, bad journalists. <laughs> they, they must <laughs> they must all die. I just like the idea that people blogging in underpants can make more than us. Uh, but does anyone else share my feelings about the last episode? And uh, I felt it was slightly clumsy. I didn't think the hero shot... The hero shots felt cheap to me. And it felt to me uh, towards the end that the, the, the show's ambition outweighed its budget. There was a bit... I really liked the idea of Matt running across town trying to find Madame Gao's heroin factory. But it led to the show's really first egregious example of Stuntman and Terrible Wig. I mean, <laughs> if you look at that shot where he's running along the rooftops, and it's clearly not Charlie Cox. It's just some guy that they've smacked, they've scraped up some shavings off a barber's floor glued it to someone's head and had him parkour himself around a roof in New York and then the next shot it's a bit like View to a Kill (laughs) Roger Moore stops in close up and then it's a 25 year old elderly woman (laughs) (laughs) next shot and then the last I just felt the costume didn't work for me it didn't and you know the the fact that the the press suddenly call him Daredevil, all that stuff felt rushed, and it needed to have a little bit more time to breathe. Ironically, in a show we just said might be you know could do with ten minutes less each episode. But does anyone else feel this way, or am I alone? No, in this? I do. Hmm. I, I do. It didn't feel quite like the same show that I'd watched for the rest. I didn't expect a bit where the three of them would be looking at the front page of the newspaper and going Daredevil. I like that name. I just didn't see the show being that show. Yeah. But I forgive it. You, you forgive it. Like for many reasons we've explained earlier. Yeah, I think I think it did feel a little bit quick, um, I guess, to go from you know universally um, uh, despised to universally adored. Um, but but at the same time, you needed some kind of flip to give, I guess, some kind of resolution at the end to give him hope at the end. And they did spend a good three, two three episodes kind of taking down the kingpin and and having his sort of counter kingpin mission or counter fisk mission come to some kind of you know culmination so I guess you know within the story it maybe worked I think when you step outside and take a little bit of a further look at it then yeah it falls apart if you're going to compare it to The Wire which people which has been done Mm. there wasn't a Stringer Bell moment or an Yvonne Barksdale moment for that matter 
In what way? Well, there wasn't that kind of that moment where of of resolution where you think, oh, this has all come together really nicely in 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 one particular set piece or one particular episode. It kind of felt like towards the end it was setting up for something else of it, um, which obviously it is. Mm. But yeah, I just I I would agree with you. I didn't think the final episode was perhaps as good as it could have been mm. and it started so strongly and I don't think it quite delivered I mean the, the scene the, the fight scene in, C- 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 in episode 2 was the best mm. in the show I think for me and could have just maybe done with something like that at the end potentially um, but I did like their fight at the end I think it's a, a shorter one but I did I did really buy it I thought it was it was good to see the two of them face off mano a mano I guess the, the, uh, an element that didn't really pay off for me the way I thought it might is um, was Madame Gao's blind workers. I thought there'd be a little bit more of a, I don't know, more of a connection or more of a, a link there between them and Daredevil. There's a really clumsy cut in the penultimate episode when Matt goes to that factory and Madame Gao goes alerts her workers to the fact that he's in their midst and mm. they start mobbing him and attacking him. And he and just he, crawls out. Yeah, he's going, oh, no, I'm okay. And then the next time we see him, he's on top of a crate leaping at people. And it's like, so how did he escape the mob of people? Because that would be tricky, for, even for him, that would mm. be tricky to escape. But... But, you know, I really like where the show is going and I like that it has potential and, uh, you know, its depiction of Matt's abilities are are fine so far. You know, in the comics, Daredevil's really bouncy and agile. He's almost Spider-Man-like in his, in his ability to bounce around a room and avoid stuff. And this, this, this show just about sold that he could move faster than Gunfire because he can anticipate where it's going to be and he can move around it. Um, and I like that. I want to see more of that as, as it moves on. Mm. For sure, for shiz. I'm very excited about season two. I, yeah. I want to see more. I was actually a little bit depressed when I when I e- finished the series because I thought, well, I'm still looking forward to seeing you know Iron Fist and Luke Cage and, Jess- and AKA Jessica Jones, but I want more Daredevil. So I'm glad that they're not holding everything back mm. for for the Defenders. I'm looking forward to those as well. I'm sure they'll be good, and I'm sure that they'll you know wipe this whole series from my head and go, no, this one is the best one. Whichever one I've m- watched most recently, that's the best one. But at the same time, it's good to um, to know that there'll be more coming. And you must also be thinking, oh, Daredevil's over. Where, where's my Marvel fix coming from? Where? Where can I possibly get a Marvel fix this week? Oh, no. <laughs> Never going to happen. No. Um, but guys, you excited about season two? You think it's going to be? Yeah. Well, we. I don't know whether this is a hot scoop, but I certainly found it interesting that he told us that the second season will come out before Defenders will. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, which... That is interesting, definitely. And which has such great confidence in yeah. that they can fit in yet more Daredevil uh, before they maybe there'll be some aspects of the other characters not within the Defenders, but they'd introduce maybe Iron Fist would make most sense for me. Yeah, and it doesn't sound like we're going to have too too long to wait either, which is good because I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Fantastic. Bring it on! <laughs> Bring Let's it do on. this. <laughs> Let's do this. Netflix, get going. Don't right. rest on your laurels. Make another one right now. Are you surprised? That they, because they didn't announce the second season, and I think that's that's good. You know, mm. until Matt Murdock shoved a, a cheese in Tony Ayer's face and give me a second series, you shit. <laughs> but, but you know, they didn't announce the second season. They announced the the, the defenders. They had that confidence mm. to do so. I was surprised. I thought they were just going to go one Daredevil, one Jessica Jones, one Luke Cage, one Iron Me too. Fist, Me too. Defenders. But now Daredevil seems to be sort of very much set up as the Iron Man of this group, like the first one, the most important one. And we're going to get a second season of that before we get Defenders, the way we got two Iron Man movies before Avengers. Which I guess would affect the way that they weave the other shows together. Yeah. Because there'd be a gap point. The, I mean, 
is Charlie gonna is is he gonna show up in the other ones? Is he gonna show up in Jessica Jones? And well, we don't know that, but I mean that's gonna be complicated. If, yeah, if he's got a second season of his own, and then they've got the defenders, how are they gonna? work that arc but I, I'm not sure and you know what happens if Jessica Jones does really well they're making a second season of that before Defenders maybe yeah. just keep pushing Defenders back forever <laughs> it'll just never constantly. happen who knows amazing amazing well yeah lots to talk about it's a 13 episode season but we hope we've covered most of the main stuff can we ask our listeners to tweet in with, with news of any of those sort of obscure swear words that we may or may not have heard or indeed the easter eggs that we may have missed oh yeah as the well. easter eggs too because there's absolute tons in there as well but yeah bring it on Daredevil season 2 uh, and that is it for this uh, spoiler special edition um, of the Empire podcast uh, our next one is for Avengers Age of Ultron featuring Joss Whedon and a little bit soupçon if you will of Paul Bettany so do check that one out it should be up Monday May 4th may go a little earlier We'll see. We're waiting for the US release. We want to give people in the States a chance to watch the film and catch up with it before we unleash spoiler hell. But yeah, thanks for listening to this one. Listen to the next one as well. And uh, it's goodbye from Ali. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Phil. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.